Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Kajabi Edge podcast, where we talk to real entrepreneurs to give you an edge on Kajabi. I'm your host, Jared Lumman, Vice President of Customer Experience. And today we have an incredibly special episode for everyone here. We have a panel of a lot of, uh, well, actually a lot of previous podcast guests, as well as one new podcast guest, as well as kind of a special edition from the Kajabi family as well, to open up a conversation around entrepreneurialism and diversity, all in celebration of Black History Month. So today I am joined by not one, not two, not three, but four special guests on the podcast. We have my friend uh, from Kajabi, UX developer, but also co-chair of Kajabi's Minority and Tech Group. Um, He is also AAF Mosaic Champion in Baton Rouge for Diversity and Inclusion. He's going to be helping us lead the panel today. So first of all, welcome, Quentin. Hello. And in addition to that, we have two of our past podcast guests. We have my friend, uh, Tony Collier. Tony, how are you doing today? I'm so good. So glad to be on. Excited to have a good conversation today. Right on. And my also friend, Henry Tolbert, past podcast guest. How are you doing, Henry? I'm doing great. Excited to have this conversation with these other amazing leaders. I love it. And then finally, our new podcast guest, which will be appearing in a future episode coming soon, my friend Atiqua Green. How's it going today, Atiqua? Good. Thanks so much for having me. Super excited to be here. I love it. Well, before we get into like the panel session, I I figured it would be helpful for us just in traditional Kajabi edge fashion to kind of go through our like super, super succinct like elevator pitches just to talk a little bit about what each of us does for anyone who perhaps hasn't caught a previous episode. And of course, for Atiqua, in your case, they haven't heard about you quite yet. So um, maybe we can just start with you, Atiqua, since uh, we haven't heard from you yet. And then we'll run through elevator pitches with everyone else as well. Okay, perfect. So um, of course, I'm Atiqua. I am the owner of that finance chick. I specifically help the overthinking, procrastinating, perfectionist women create wealth building systems so they can build wealth where they are and achieve freedom to live a life they love. I've been in the finance industry for over 12 years and I've helped over 5,000 women start and maintain their money journey. Awesome. Well, I cannot wait to hear a little bit more about that when we speak uh, very soon. Um, Let's move on to Henry. Tell us a little bit about you. Yes. So I am the owner and founder of Simple Systems Consulting. We work with pastors, churches, and denominations to help them facilitate growth of spiritual numerical and financial. And uh, after many years as a pastor myself and seeing just the need for systems to help better disciple and just grow people up in their faith, uh, we come alongside leaders and organizations that help them do just that. And so at this point, we've worked with about a hundred different organizations and uh, we've been able to help them facilitate building the systems that they need to really just help them fulfill the vision that they believe that God has given them. Awesome. And last but not least, uh, Tony. Yeah, um, I get to lead a women's organization called Broken Crayons Still color where we're just really walking with women through a healing journey. We're pointing them to resources and professionals. And we've kind of created this like, you know, this succinct journey of what does it actually look like to heal? What does it look like to hop into counseling? What is counseling? How do we do it? How do we transition community? And it's been a real beautiful journey. We've gotten to connect with women all over the world who are going through divorce and trauma and abuse and all the different things. And it's been a beautiful journey. So, yeah. Yes, definitely listen to all of these episodes. Please, please, uh, if you haven't heard them, uh, they are great, great stories. With that, uh, Quentin, I guess let's kind of like pass the torch over to you and let's get this rolling. This is, of course, uh, I don't I don't think we already mentioned this, but this is really all about everyone on this call. It's about your story as always. Uh, you know, the Kajabi Edge podcast is not on a mission to just shout out just Kajabi. This is your story. So this is really your time to share. But Quentin, I'm 
I'm going to kind of pass this off to you to kind of get this rolling. Thanks, Jerry. Hey, y'all. So I'm um, very excited to talk to all of you. And um, we're going to start with just a general question. First, let's get into some numbers, shall we? The American census data shows that there are upwards of 130,000 Black-owned businesses in the U.S. That equates to roughly 0.023%. So with that stat, what does being a Kajabi hero mean to you? And whoever, uh, let me let me go to Tikwa first. We'll just go around the room. To me, it means that I get to one help my my community, you know, achieve financial freedom. But it also means I get to change the legacy, you know, of myself and my family and you know mm-hmm. past generations because it's been a lot getting here. And as someone who is right now the only business owner in my family, it's an interesting perspective to have <laughs> for one. But um, it allows me to pretty much take the baton further in the last, you know, race. So it really means a lot to be able to change what our family will look like in the next few years. Excellent. Tony, let me go to you. Yeah. Um, for me, it's 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 almost like a, a mixture of, of strategy and technical, as well as, like Atiqua said, just legacy as well. I, I remember going through my own personal healing journey and it was really hard. You're just kind of figuring it out as you go. Who do I talk to? How do I figure this out? And I think for a lot of people, strategy is what's missing. It's, it's the actual tools to put into place the journeys that they need to go on to go from A to Z to really experience transformation in whatever that means in the finance industry and the spiritual industry and the healing industry. And so it it just means being like a a strategy bearer, someone that says, Hey, I know what you're going through and it's crazy and it's wild. And I know it's really scary and confusing, but but here's some steps for you to take that can get you there a little bit faster. And then of course, legacy building. I think about my own daughter, Uh, she battles with, with many mental and emotional issues. And I just am always thinking about her. And when she gets older, what does it look like for us to build something that she can look back on and use herself and be proud of and maybe for the generations to come. Thank you, Tony. What you got, Henry? Man, you know, I tell you, if you go on my Instagram, you'll see that every once in a while, probably every three months or so, I post a shirt with you, my first Kajabi Hero shirt, you know, and I still wear the lanyard proudly on my keys and it's a big deal um, because it really just represents an opportunity for me to really just own my unique space in the world, right? You know, I was kind of looking at some of Tony's stuff and, you know, just the broken crayon still color. And, uh, and it was just, it just jumped out to me so great because, you know, growing up, I grew up in the church all my life. You know, my grandfather was um, a part, a huge part of the civil rights movement. My grandfather, my great uncle here in Birmingham, Alabama, um, they uh, organized a ton of the marches with Dr. King. Uh, It's even said that my grandfather was the last person in Birmingham to see Dr. King alive before he was assassinated because he was a young preacher at the time. He was a driver. And so the church has always been a part of my life. But one of the challenges I always felt, I always had is I felt like the broken crayon is that while I enjoyed and I love the church and I love all the things that it represented and what it does for people. You know, oftentimes I found myself thinking about things in the church that I felt like other people weren't thinking about and found myself thinking about, as Tony said, the systems and the structures and the processes and going like, Hey, this is great, man. These people showed up today. What happens next? What do we do with them? What does a church funnel look like? What is this? And I remember feeling like that. And it was for a long time, it was really weird because I could find those things in churches that didn't look like me. And so as I kind of went on my journey and, and started to lead, 
need on my own, you know, I really started to embrace that. You know what? Church looks like the expression that God gives me, you know, whatever that is. And so we started on a college campus at Grammar State University, and we really just started building it out the best way we could. But it was in that process that we really learned that, you know what? I give an opportunity, regardless of the barriers I face, regardless of the challenges, I have an opportunity today to stake a new place in this world and to make a difference through it. And so being a Kajabi hero to me is just so amazing because I try to spend so much of my life being a hero maker. And so when Kajabi said to me, hey, look, man, you're a hero because you hit this bearing, you hit this goal, you got started. It just meant something really phenomenal to me. And it still does. That's excellent. I'm going to go one step further. So now that y'all have gotten hero status, I'm sure that the idea of like generational wealth is like fully attainable. So to circle back, I'm going to use the same order and if that's okay with y'all. But Atikwa, what does generational wealth mean to you? (laughs) Really, it means that a lot of things that I had to go through and what my mom had to go through as far as our personal traumas is something that they can avoid because I know that money is a tool that can be helpful or hurtful depending on how you use it. And I know for me, there's just, there's a lot of things that I don't want my kids to ever have to deal with, you know, whether it's mental abuse, physical abuse, and unfortunately, sexual abuse. It's one of those things that if you have money, it solves a lot of problems where you can get out if you want to, because you have the means. You don't have to worry about, oh, I don't get to play this sport this year because mom doesn't have the money. We have two other kids she has to take care of. Like It's a means to be able to have freedom, mental health, and uh, positive mental health at that. And just to be able to be present and live our lives instead of having to just survive. I want to be able Mm. to have our generations thrive going forward. Listen, I thought I was the preacher. Like, I know I want to piggyback on the thriving. That's exactly what I was thinking. Atiqua. It's, it's not just about surviving. Gosh, for so many years, centuries, there's just been this sense of surviving. How can we get to the next? I remember my dad saying all the time, like we just, you know, we're leaving paycheck to paycheck, but at least we have it. And there's a sense right. of gratitude that comes with that and hustle if we're going to be honest. But I just really think that wealth is is the ability to thrive, not just financially, but within any type of position. I love that you included, it's not just about finances, but it's about your mental state and your social state and the emotionally thriving, being able to, to put words to feelings and understanding how to have healthy relationships. I want my, you know, I want to have wealthiness in my marriage and with my kids. I've got a little boy on the way and I think about, you know, what are we going to teach him about wealth and what it actually means to leave a legacy of not just finances, but also like our name, our name carries a legacy. So I I just, I love what you said. I love what you said. Yeah, I think it's true. And I think it's, I agree with everything that you all have said. And uh, because for me, I really, when I think about passing on wealth, because, you know, my wife and I are getting ready to celebrate 14 years of marriage coming up in April and 15 years, I'm sorry. And, uh, and we have four daughters together. And so when I think about my girls and I think about just, you know, who they will become in the future, I want to leave them resources as uh, Atik would say, I don't want them to have the same struggles I had. You know, I lived in every part of Birmingham uh, because every year me and my single mom and my younger brother were moving and we were moving from place to place. And I have a great relationship with most people in my family because at some point I lived with them all during my childhood. Right. And and so, and that served us well in some ways, but my girl's going to have a different experience because of where we are financially. But the biggest thing that I'm, that I really think about now is the mindset is 
passing on to them the mindset that says you can decide, you know, and I, cause I think that's what wealth is. Wealth is a freedom. It's a freedom to say, if there's something in my heart, I, I have the space to go and pursue it. I, I don't want them to have to choose between their passion and a job. I don't, I don't want their, them, their time to have to be, you know, given away for pennies on the dollar because they got to pay the bills. I want them to have the mindset of freedom that says, Hey, look, I, I want to be able to go and pursue. I have it within me to go and pursue this thing that's been put in my heart. And so I think it's all those different things. It's the spiritual, the financial, the physical, the relational, all of those things are super important. I think we have to model that in our community so that more people can see it. Well, speaking of modeling things, this is something that I'm interested in because you, you've gotten to Kajabi Hero status because you have to charge for your services. Right now, there are there is an issue in some areas where the idea of charging with your worth is seen as taboo. But y'all have gotten here by recognizing your worth, charging accordingly, and not seeing it as anything past services for time or a reason, whatever. So being that you have Kajabi hero status, I'm sure at some point you had to grapple with that decision. I'm just interested, like, how did you overcome it? And now that you're on the other side of it, like, how are you with it? Yes, I definitely did grapple with that for a hot minute, actually, (laughs) because it's like, yeah, I want to serve people. But just because you're called to serve doesn't mean you're called to be broke. And (laughs) come on now, listen, say that, like run that back one more time. I need you to say that again. okay? (laughs) just because you're called to serve doesn't mean you're called to be broke. So I really got to this point where I really wanted to focus on who I wanted to attract because I don't have to go back and forth with people who know what they're trying to accomplish, but they don't know how to get there. So they're looking for that help. Um, you know, I often say that for mental health reasons, I no longer sell people on why they should want to get their finances together. I'm here to help women who are ready to get it done. And it just got to the point where it's like, okay, there's a place that I want to go for my family. There's a place that I want to take them and I can't get there if I'm not charging what I'm worth or if I am giving everything away for free because at the end of the day, you know, Kajabi costs money. So I can't just give everything away. Like there's free content, of course, if people who don't have it in the budget, but then for people who want to go to the next step, it's like, okay, in order for me to serve you properly, you have to, you're going to have to pay me for my services. That's a really good. This was a really hard topic for me. I have been serving in ministry in a lot of churches at the beginning of my career and um, experienced a lot of church hurt, spiritual manipulation, all the things and went on my own healing journey because of it. And when we initially had this question of, man, we want to create a really excellent experience. The tension was how do we fund an excellent excellent experience? How do we create something for the greater good? And after spending a ton of my own personal money investing into it, I realized that there was an insecurity in me that was afraid of being called out on social media, cancel culture. How can you say you're a pastor or you speak about Jesus and you want to charge for things? And we could have a whole podcast, whole little session about that in and of itself and how hypocritical... 
Well, let's just be real about it. How hypocritical <laughs> we pay for Beach Body Plus, Plexus, Drink, Pink Drink, and everybody else, and we don't actually want to pay for things that will create delayed gratification and legacy yes. and generational wealth. I'm gonna put that on the side. I grappled with a personal insecurity, and the truth is, as I processed through it, it was a scarcity mindset. I didn't actually believe that what I had to give was worthy to mm-hmm. be charged for. I thought that I needed to go broke for the betterment of others, and this. Is quite literally what I believe, or I'm assuming Antique was saying. It's just because I'm called to serve people and to help people doesn't mean that I'm called to be broke. And that actually, in order to to practice what I preach, if we're just going to be real about it, this this holistic journey of community, of healthy community, and mental awareness, and pointing people to a better life starts with me saying I have to place some value on myself and actually believe that what I'm putting out there is worthy of an investment from someone else. And, yes. and that was a long journey, but we rounded third base on that thing. And it's it's been beautiful because with that comes an awareness that I'm not just cheating people out of money, that I can balance this confident humility of I'm going to try my best to charge what's fair and also be able to create more things for people in the future. Yep, man, that is, man, that is so good. Look, I'm just going to round the basis since y'all don't already started it. Round them up. I'll, I'll, I'll pick up on what Tony was saying saying is I think there are three things for me that helped me through this conversation because it was also a real issue and it still is if I'm honest. Um, but I, I've decided some things that I've got to live out. I think uh, the first thing I'll say is I've learned on my journey, people don't value free. And as weird as that sounds, like my cheapest, most low ticket clients are the ones who do the least amount of work and make the most amount of noise. And so so I figured that out along the way. I started off trying to help everybody and like, I'm going to just fit your budget and I'm looking at their social media trying to figure out, oh, they only got this much. And it's like, and I realized that I'm not called to chase every client and every dollar. And if somebody's as Antiqua said, if you're not ready for what I'm trying to bring to the table, then I can't help you. Because truth of the matter is, if my product is priced at a certain point, because I know the value of it and you can't afford it, then that means you are missing a lot of what it would take to even get the most out of what I'm offering you anyway. So so I've just I've just grappled with that, that that's just what it is. The second thing I realize is, is that to a degree, you're pricing is a part of your branding. If you're the best, people know you're not the cheapest. And if you're the cheapest, people know you're not the best. Mm. And so I just stopped fighting that battle with people to try to prove this and prove that. It's like, listen, this is what it is. Here are the results. They speak for themselves and you go from there. And then the third thing that I think has really helped me is that we're going, we've just gone through kind of a shift in our pricing because we do all subscription model everything. And so anything you do with me, we're going to walk together on a journey for now anyway. And one of the things that I've embraced is I'm going to either be free or expensive. I'm not playing around with the in-between because there's only one me, right? I was reading this book. Uh, well, I just finished reading. It's so good. Chillpreneur by Denise Thomas, I believe is her last name, or Thompson. And uh, one of the things she talks about in there, she talks about the story of the golden goose and this king who has a goose who she de- who he discovers is laying golden eggs. And the golden eggs make him really, really rich. But like many people, he gets greedy. And so he decides, you know what? I want all the eggs right now. And so he cuts the goose open to pull out the golden eggs only to realize that there were no more eggs in the goose. The goose was the golden egg. And the point that she makes in the book is that as entrepreneurs, as leaders, we're the golden goose. We're the goose that produces the golden egg. So we have a responsibility to build the business around us. And because I don't want to be stressed out working with 50 million people, I get to be selective about how many people I can handle. And so what I've chosen to do is the people that I will work with, it's going to be in a way that I can serve them really well, but also help provide the lifestyle that I want. And 
and a part of that is I do give back all the time, but I get to choose how I give back and where I give back to. People don't have to don't get to choose that. And so it's just like I'm a bivocational pastor right now. And one of my one of the things that I'm doing right now is that I'm preparing to completely give my entire salary or stipend from our church back to our church for mission, right? But that's going to be my choice. You know, we're looking at we're supporting some mission work overseas, but that's my choice. And so I just freed myself from the pressure of feeling like people have a say in what happens in my life. Like social media gave everybody a microphone, but there's no speaker in my world. So look, you talk all you want, but it don't work over here. So there you go. Hey, this is some, this is some good stuff. I, there's so many things. I'm looking at the time. Okay, let me find some. How can I get to the meat of what I'm trying to get to? Okay. So I'll give you another little soft one before we we get into the the real real. But um, one one more entrepreneurial type question is um, since y'all spoke a lot about self discovery in that last answer, what was what would be something that you would tell to the iteration of yourself that just started on this journey, like from hero to new you? What would be that advice? Definitely take everyone's advice with a grain of salt because. In the beginning, or I'm honestly, I'm just going to be 100% real up until like the middle of last year, I finally figured out how I wanted to run my business to fit me because everybody who is on social media, you know, post three to five times a day so you can grow your Instagram so you can get traffic. I'm not doing that in in life. I'm an introverted person or I'm going to say I'm, I'm an ambivert. Okay. I am selective of how much I want to give to people as far as my energy and my time and and, you know, doing that was just not who I am. So I'm like, okay, I need to figure out what platforms fit my personality and what platforms fit my ideal customer. And now I figured out, oh, it's YouTube because I can batch create content, have an editor edit all my stuff and I don't have to show up anymore. <laughs> so it's one of those things is, you know, figure out how you want to run your business, what your ideal lifestyle is and mold your business around it. Um, and of course, it's okay to take other people's journey as some sort of a blueprint to get ideas, but you still need to figure out how it works for you. And then also just going to throw that extra tidbit out here. You're probably going to be better off with also having a therapist at the same time. You know, that scarcity mindset, the negative self-talk and self-sabotage will prevent you from going further on your business because for some reason you are thinking, oh, I don't deserve this or this comes easy to me. Why should I charge for this? Um, when it doesn't come easy to other people, like I was talking to my therapist last week and she let me know that I actually have a bad habit of negative self-talk and I didn't realize it. And that stuff, <laughs> that is stuff that pretty much comes out in your business in so many ways and you don't even realize it. So mold your business in a way that works for you and the ideal lifestyle you're trying to create for yourself. And then also you need someone who can help you, you know, work through some of that negative self-talk and the traumas and stuff that you've gone through because it affects everything that you do. Listen, you speak in my language. <laughs> we have three counselors in our family. Okay. <laughs> we are, we got them on deck for every season, marriage, kid, all the things. So I, I love that so much. I think for me, one of the things that is very difficult for me is, is the time investment. You mentioned it and I kind of got convicted a little bit of tea, but like, I, I do care so much about people that the scalability has been my major thing. Our first course was eight months long. <laughs> 
Okay. And it's just like what you're saying, Henry, it was just this journey. And you, you start holding these stories and these people and you're just like, I'm with you. I'm available for any call. Like I want to do it. But also I had to, to check myself and I'll use this word, but I had to realize that I, I didn't have to be the only hero in the story. And what that meant for me was I, I'm not the only expert here, you know? And so I really started focusing in on building a team. And if your business or um, strategy calls for that, I would definitely say to lean into that. We have seen so much more progress and scalability when we added women to the team. But not only that, it's that I just didn't have to take up so much space. I didn't have to be the star and the hero in all of this. That actually there were other women who had the same passion as me, who'd walk through the same healing journey as me and may actually be better than me. That could be a part of this. And it's been really beautiful to, to empower other women to lead out and to use their own stories for healing as guides. And, and that's been really cool. So I would definitely say if there's a team to be built, build it. If there's the right people that you can put in the right places at the right timing, do it. And just really watch some really cool things happen when you start to empower other people and create really cool legacies for them. And I, I would just piggyback on what you both had said. I would tell myself to really focus on who and not how. You know, I get, I'm an analytic thinker. And so many times dreams and visions get killed in the infancy stage because I'm already thinking about how we're going to do it, how we're going to make it happen. And the question that I've learned to ask now when I come to an issue is not how do I do this, but who do I know or who do I have around me who can help me do this? And so you talk about having your team. We've got a counselor. We found a counselor, you know, online very early on. I've added, you know, a team member for going back to what Antigua was, Antigua was saying, you talk about social media. Well, see now on my social media, something's going out six times a day. But the thing is, you know, I went on Upwork and uh, found somebody and said, okay, look, I'm going to record this one video a week, kind of like the Brendan Bruchard model. And I'm going to give it to my team members. So one person is going to turn it into video clips. Another person is going to turn it into text posts that go out twice a day. They're going to search my page and get the best of, they're going to get, I'm going to just batch create this content. And so now people are thinking like, oh man, he's going. And it's like, I'm somewhere playing with my kids or something. Like I'm not doing this stuff, you know, but I'm thinking about who I'm thinking about in my health, you know, who can help me eat better and make wise choices. So, so I can be in shape, who can help me do these things. And I think that's really helped. It's always just realizing every hero needs hero makers, like every single one Superman needed Lois Lane, Batman had Alfred, like whoever you are on your journey, you need people around you who are going to help you do it. You can't do it by yourself. And, And I think I get a lot of that from my time. As, a, as an athlete, as a football player, it doesn't matter how good you are alone. If you don't have 10 other guys who can come alongside you and help you accomplish your goal, you can't win championships. And so I would say focus on who and not how. Boy, Quentin, before you get into the, I know you're ready ready to get into the meat here, but like, I just gotta, like, there's been probably at least 10 things that could be like inserted into like this quote book. Like we could probably write a book off of just this episode <laughs> from the things that you guys have been bringing to the table. All right. Now that we had fun, Quentin. Now we got to bring in some real Quentin. <laughs> All right, people. So we've, um, you know, talked about the entrepreneurial side of things, but in this second month of the year in Black History Month, I like to make sure that we take the time to speak on things that, you know, may not be as well known. So one of the questions I'm going to pose to y'all, it's two, but the first is, what are some of the hurdles you had to go through to even get where you are, given the fact that how I stated earlier, less than 1% of small business or business owners are African-American. So like what hurdles of roadblocks did you have to get through to get here? One, just not knowing where to start. (laughs) 
Uh, like there's this, I, there was an idea really starting this journey came from my stubbornness and not being like, like to be told what to do. (laughs) So there's an idea of, you know, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to help people, but then, you know, figuring out who your niche is, who exactly you're supposed to be helping, how to brand yourself properly. Like those are some major, some major, major hurdles. And then also not having a lot of people in my corner actually believe in what I'm trying to accomplish. Like my business sat on a shelf for an entire year because someone said, uh, when I started my business, I was... 24. And they're like, you're 24 years old. Who's going to listen to you about finance? And here I am about to be 29 this year. And I have clients who are three times my age and they're still listening to me just fine. So it was not having the proper support system. And then also telling people my vision when they weren't the one who was given the vision. So they're not going to understand it in the first place. So those are some major hurdles, not knowing where to start and not having like the greatest support system in the beginning. I think it was really difficult. It's kind of, it's kind of what you said in Like I'm, I'm in the mental health space as an African-American woman. One of my own family, <laughs> my mom, dad, aunts, uncles don't necessarily believe it or believe in it. And I'm also in the ministry space, which has on, quite honestly hurt a lot of people in this space, including myself. And so I'm in this industry where it's an uphill battle for my culture. And I remember having one of our first course groups and it was really white. And there is nothing wrong with that at all because, you know, we attract who we attract and it just kind of happened that way. There was no marketing, there was no intentional marketing, but it, it made me very sorrowful. And I had to ask myself, like, what is it that I can do to ensure that I'm going above and beyond to include an entire people group in my own culture who maybe has a tougher time with accepting these and understanding this? What can I do to, to educate more than just making assumptions if we're just going to be honest? And that was hard. I had to check myself. I had to check my surroundings. I had to check my friends. I had to check who I was leaving behind unintentionally, but it still happened. And that was tough. And I and that meant more marketing, more intentionality, more of an investment, more of having conversations of explaining what's going on and how do we get past this and how do we do this really well. And um, it was tough. It, was, it wasn't cute at all. But um, it's been beautiful to see our community flourish in this space. And I'm just I'm excited for it to just keep growing. Yeah, I, I have some very similar experience, you know, being a, a church, cons- an African-American church consultant. Uh, before I started, I went searching for other firms and and, and I couldn't find any. I couldn't find, I could find confirms that were, you know, led by white Americans that employed African-Americans, but I couldn't find one that was specifically for churches of people who look like me. And that's really where my heart was, you know, because I've worked in churches of all colors and flavors and I've experienced all the stuff that Tony is talking about and all those things. And so I really wanted to make a difference in my community. And one of the challenges was I knew it'd be a lot easier to go on staff with another group who already had the reach and already had the budget and go there versus starting my own. And instead we start decided to start our own. And so we have that barrier. And as just like Tony said, a part of that barrier is it feels like you have to, in some ways you have to work so much harder just to bring your clientele up to speed, but just even to show that, that you're worthy of what you're sharing and what you're teaching that, Hey, look, this is where it is. And it's, and for me, it's unique. You know, I have, you know, I've been, I've got two, you know, post-grad degrees, my first one actually in counseling. So I really 
really feel where Tony is going uh, because that was a big thing for us. I started off, my wife and I doing marriage coaching was a huge part of what we were doing, trying to just really heal black marriages and, and just not just heal them, but build them a lot of premarital stuff. But as we move into leaders, it's so hard because not only am I an African-American leading a business, but I'm trying to reach a demographic of African-Americans who are overworked, underpaid, over-traumatized and under-counseled. And so the hard part is if I really want to help them, I can't just be a business owner when I do deal with them. I've got to care about their their marriages to a degree. You know, I, I was sitting with a couple two who were leading the church and they're like, look, we need to turn this thing around. It's been 10 years. We're really struggling. So and, so, and the wife looks at me and she goes, hey, listen, if you can't help us, I don't think our marriage is going to make it. Right. And that's the kind of stuff. Because you, when you think about the church in the African-American community, traditionally the pastor is, you know, you go back to, you know, civil rights and so on. The pastor is everything. You're the voice. You're the activist. You're the counselor. You're you're the marriage coach. You're the, you're everything. Right. And so there are some pockets in our communities where that's still the case. And so now I'm trying to minister to a leader to get him up before I can even say, okay, now let's move the people forward. And so you really do have to be equipped um, to do as scripture says, be all things to all men, because you just never know what each situation is going to call for you. And that's why I really have my battle between ministry leader, philanthropist, and business owner is that those three things cross over in ways that you can't always predict. But that's the unique experience that we have is that if we're dealing with people who have access to fewer resources in some cases, we become the resource. And so we just have to figure out how to navigate that and help where we can. I got two more questions for y'all. The last one is just going to let y'all talk, you know, giving y'all the space. I'm just setting it up. I'm not sure how I want to word it, but it's a theme that I want expressed. So as most Black Americans feel in a minority space, there's this added pressure. It's like you have the regular thing, but then there's the added pressure. And it's different things to different people. So just giving y'all the floor to speak to what that pressure means to you, because for me, that pressure is making sure that my family's right. So I just want to share that, uh, open the floor with y'all. Like, what does, like, is there a pressure associated with being a black Kajabi hero and how do you work with it? How do you deal with it? Like, what advice do you have for those who may be struggling with the same thing? There's a lot of pressure <laughs> because, you know, my husband has been like my biggest support system um, on this journey, even when times are frustrating. And so there's a pressure to make sure that I fully succeed here. And then we're also in the process of, you know, um, fostering a teenage girl. So there's make, making sure that I succeed here because I want to make sure that I'm home with her. Uh, she has a lot and she's going to need that extra, extra attention. You know, the added pressure of I can't fail because one, I've been an, I've been an overachiever all of my life and having something that means so much to not only you, but everyone else that touches you, that's surrounding you and that you're supposed to uh, affect in one way, shape or form. You can't let it do anything less than succeed because there's so much riding on it. So there is that pressure of, okay, yes, you want to achieve this because this is something that you set your mind to, but you also want to achieve it because you want to make sure that your family is good. You want to make sure that the children that you're going to bring into this house one day are going to be good. And you want to make sure that your parents or siblings don't have to want for anything when they get old and they can't, if they can't do anything for themselves. So it's a lot. It's a lot. Just making sure that everyone is good. And then also making sure that you are maintaining your mental stability at the same time. Man, what an interesting question. I, I think pressure 
for me has just honestly been a balance of gratitude and consistency, as well as not allowing it to just overwhelm me. I think for, I've always kind of said this, I'm like, oh, I work so well under pressure. I work so well under pressure. And I think there's some strength to that and some grit that's built in that. But there's also a little bit of maturity that comes with, well, everything don't have to be always under pressure. Okay. Um, you don't all, you don't have to be chasing after the pressure actually can come easy for you. And I think that comes from being on WIC and food stamps and having a, trying to, you know, feed a newborn and, and all that good stuff. It just comes from the struggle. But I think it goes back to our original point that there's space for us to thrive, that it's not always about surviving. No, that just because something is pressure filled doesn't mean it's good. And just because it's not, doesn't have pressure doesn't mean it's good. And so I just, I found myself just balancing that. Wow. I'm so grateful that when I get up, I have emails to answer. God, I'm so grateful that people are actually interested in what I have to say. And at the same time, I'm grateful that I can break up with balance and marry priorities and prioritize my mental health and my, my family uh, because of the, the pressure that I have endured. And now the, the peace that I get to create in that as well. Yeah, I agree. I think um, to, to use a biblical term, I feel called to be an apostolic leader, right? Which means that I am the one who is called to walk through the jungle with the machete, clearing a path for other people to follow. And, you know, and that's, and over the years and over time, the way I see that has changed so much, you know, it used to be a thing that was really heavy and, you know, really heavy hearted. And like Atiqua, you know, my wife helps me a lot with that. She's my biggest cheerleader. She's always pointing out those moments that I would miss because I move from one mountaintop to another. Like if I get to the top of a mountain, I'm all I see is the bottom of the next one. And she's constantly reminding me of these peaks that we're hitting. And and I just think about um, this great quote, you know, from the, the, the gospel according to Spider-Man, you know, book number one, Uncle Ben said, with great power comes great responsibility, you know? <laughs> and so it's like, you know, in embracing you know, that we get a chance to kind of kind of carry that and you go with it. Now, the one place where I think there is some pressure is that in our communities, we are still unique enough that we are unicorns to many other people that we're called to. And when they, when you've never seen a unicorn, you don't know how to approach it, right? Do you approach it like a horse? Do you approach it like it's something different, right? Like what, it, like what do you do? And so you, it feels like sometimes you have to spend so much time explaining who you are, why you are, how you got here, why you deserve to be here and all those other things. And, and I think, again, a way of just kind of wrestling with that pressure is just being really clear about what you serve. You know, I made the comment earlier about, you know, our strategy when it comes to finances now is to be free or to be expensive. And, and what I mean by that is we give away a ton of great content for free. Like I give away a lot of the best stuff. I give away the the what and the whys all week, every day. I give you everything I can give you. If you just need somebody to help you think, you don't need to call me for that. Just go on my page, go on my blog, listen to the podcast, whatever it is, and you're good, right? But it's only when you're ready to come to the other side that I can help you. And so I think that's a part of how I relieve that pressure. I use those free mediums as a chance to say, hey, I'm giving away to people something they can't get anywhere else. Nobody else is giving you stuff this contextualized for your context every day. And it's like, that's one of the ways I'm saying, hey, look, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm pouring out, I'm getting this stuff out of my brain so I don't feel full of ideas and full of stuff. And then as people come along to, to work together, then I get a chance to say, okay, now let's start really making a difference in the lives of people. So, so that's been helpful for me. That's 
stuff. All right. We, this is going to be my last official question for this wonderful group of y'all got me so inspired. You have no Listen, idea. I, I want to do this again. Like, I'm like, I'm well, telling you, this is for real. I got a podcast we can come on later and we could just kind of hang out, hang out or so because this is encouraging. Cool, cool. Last one. Let me give you a layup. In closing, what is something that you are really passionate about that you just want to communicate to the world? I am passionate about women being able to build wealth where they are, whether they are currently broken, whether they are not making the money that they want to make, whether they um, don't have X amount of dollars in their bank account. You can literally change your life right now with what you have and then tweak and scale as you continue. Everybody has these false rules of what you're supposed to do with your money, but money is it can money can be done in so many different ways. And to lock yourself into somebody else's finite version of what money is, is just sabotaging yourself. So I am really passionate about people being able to build wealth where they are and then tweak and scale as they continue. And speaking of broken women, um, I think that one thing that I am trying my best to communicate is that your brokenness doesn't discount you. That, I mean, I have seen the bottom of the pit a few times and um, God still says yes. And I also am really just passionate about balancing this idea that, you know, God wants us to thrive, but also knowing that it does take work. That we're not just throwing scriptures on things, but we are coupling it with strategy and with intentionality and with community and with actual tools that can help you live a life that's transformed and hopeful and hopefully experience, you know, really beautiful moments of mountaintop hope in their life. Absolutely. Man, I would just encourage every person to see that their life uh, exists for a reason, that none of us are an accident, no matter how we got here, no matter where we are. And there is a unique contribution that we can make to the world. And I think we have a responsibility to discover what that is and to step into it as best we can. And if I had to summarize it, I'd say three really quick things about how we get there. I think number one, a part of it is mindset is that uh, whether you believe you can't or you believe you can't, you're right. You know, because so much authority is just in how you see things. I think into, this is to use a biblical word, metron was a Greek word that they use for measure or amount. And, and it's just realizing that we all have different measures of what we do. You know, I value a kindergarten teacher as much as I value a college professor because they're both educators. They're educating different people at different levels, uh, but that's just different metrons of the same calling. And, and don't waste time comparing your measure to somebody else's measure uh, because I've seen so many people who did a whole lot with a very little and people who did very little with a whole lot. And, and I think the last one is your map is just figuring out where you are in the journey. If you can be honest with yourself about where you are, I believe you start the journey to discovering how do I get where I'm going next? If you can't pinpoint where you are on the map, it's really hard to tell if you're being successful on your trip. And so you need to understand where you are so you can map out where you're going. But it all pushes us to understanding that there's a purpose for your life. And uh, it's incumbent upon you to discover it and to do everything you can uh, to die empty. Like don't go to the grave with all that purpose inside of you. Tiqua, Tony, Henry, this was all that. I gotta say, I loved every second man, of this. these ladies are fire, man. Like, I'm mad. I'm mad I hadn't heard about y'all. Like, I'm saying, like, I'm gonna go stalk all y'all pages. So just get ready. <laughs> I'm going to be commenting on stuff that's like two years old. So just just wait. I'm coming in. I'm telling you right now, I'm coming. So get ready. Yeah, this has been absolutely amazing. Like this is, I almost got to take another step and level back into like our audience's perspective and just observe this from a, even like a distance in a way. And this was beyond phenomenal. Like I wish we could do this every week. I don't know if it's just this awesome group of people or if it's the format or what it is, but thank you all. Uh, Quentin, thank you for stepping in and taking some time out to just help 
facilitate this conversation, which was incredible. For our listeners, this is all we have for you this week, but make sure you tune in. We'll have Atiqua coming up on a future episode very soon. And if you haven't listened to them yet, make sure to listen to Tony uh, and Henry's episodes as well. Um, so once again, huge thank you, huge shout out. I have, I oftentimes will will end this by calling out and asking for you to go leave us a review. But this time I'm going to go to each of these guys' websites, go to their websites and leave them a review. Um, tell them how much you appreciated this content because this was awesome. So thank you once again to everyone for joining us today. I really, really appreciate you. Well, with that said, we will uh, see everyone next time on the Kajabi Edge podcast. 